You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, the Dolphins fall in Cincinnati 27-15 to on the Thursday night primetime game here in week number four. We'll get the five takeaways, including some updates on QB1 to Atungavailoa, where this game fell by the wayside, and we'll do the play before the play, teaching tape moment, give you some stats, and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. All of that and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. I want to get to the takeaways here pretty quickly, but we'll go ahead and breeze through the stats from the game here real quick. Dolphins lose 27-15, to 15, the first loss of the season for the Miami Dolphins, despite having more first downs, 20 to 16, than the Bengals. Third down was a key area in this game. Miami 2 for 10, Cincinnati 8 for 15. Both teams 0 for 1 on fourth down. Miami had 378 to Cincinnati's 371 total yards. Pretty even in passing, pretty even in rushing. 60 plays to 63 plays, pretty even across the board. That third down metric, and then this metric right here, two turnovers for Miami, the two picks, and none for the Bengals. Kind of the difference in the game because time of possession also very even. Both teams had six penalties, 41 yards on Miami, 74 yards on the Bengals, and one sack for each team. So those are your stats. I want to go ahead and jump right in, excuse me, very early here on Friday morning into the five takeaways. And number one, where do you start besides the impact of losing your quarterback, your leader, uh, Tua Tungavailoa? We saw the sideline, the entire Dolphins sideline come out onto the field after a very scary moment there with Tua down on the field. The stretcher comes out. He would leave in an ambulance to the hospital nearby there, uh, nearby the stadium. But the Dolphins contingency and the support and the impact you saw I think was was very telling about how this team and this organization views that quarterback and that young man and how we're all obviously pulling for Tua for a quick recovery we saw coach McDaniel walking off with him for a few steps when they had the stretcher moving towards the uh, tunnel on the field and he was kind of with Tua there in that moment patting him on the chest and, and kind of you know giving him, his, him some encouraging words and he also mentioned in his post-game press conference which we have some sound bites for you guys uh, in that arena, that Tua was asking about where Coach was when he was down on the field, and I think that says a lot about the relationship those two guys have developed. And like, it, it, it kind of warms my heart, but at the same time, kind of breaks my heart because you know, watching that game in, in the green room, it's not about us, right, at all, obviously. But for me, Seth and OJ, like the mood was gone. It, it didn't really, you know, football was kind of an afterthought at that point. Thinking about you know that young man and and the injury he suffered, so. 
Uh, that was tough for us to overcome. You can't imagine how tough it was for the team to overcome. And that's what Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips mentioned it. Phillips had a great quote after the game saying, our entire job is compartmentalizing things. So we try to go out and do our best to do that after the injury. Tyreek Hill had mentioned uh, in his some interviews after the game that people were asking about Tua throughout the course of the second half, which obviously you can't just turn your mind off and your empathy for your brother, for your teammate. So that obviously was on the forefront of their minds. And Jalen Waddle also alluded to it several times about how much he was thinking about his brother out there uh, who went down in the game with the injury. But the good news, again, uh, Mike McDaniel confirmed afterwards on his post-game press conference that Tua was, in fact, discharged from the hospital and traveled home with the team. That's obviously great news. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach on the impact of losing the quarterback, losing the character, like to a tongue of Iloa to an injury like that for me uh yeah I think a lot of people struggled I know me personally um that's you know if I didn't have a job to do for the organization and the rest of the players um and I didn't have that that uh um I don't know obligation in in my mind I uh, yeah I I would have tapped it. I, it's not something that um, is comfortable for anybody, and um, it was a, it was not a situation that you want for any of your players or or your team in general. It's some scary stuff. Um, I'm just glad that it, that it worked out. And man, he was making some real nice throws in that first half before the injury. So Tua, looking forward to you getting back, man. Get well soon. Thinking about you, number one. Let's go ahead and move to our second takeaway from the game, which is the defense to me is looking awfully familiar from the ones we've come to to know and love here the last couple of years for your Miami Dolphins. And you obviously can't remove plays from the equation, but after that opening drive the Bengals had going down the field, was the third straight game the Dolphins allowed an opening drive touchdown, so there's something to work on for the defense. But the next 19 plays gained just 66 yards. Then you had the touchdown drive. You had the big pass to T. Higgins uh, for the touchdown on a third down play that was a crucial, crucial moment in this game. So those plays happened, but I think outside of that, you had a lot of good stuff, and you put a lot of heat on a good quarterback, and you held a good receiving core. You know, Sands a couple of big plays. You know, Boyd got his touchdown, got his, or his big play late. Higgins got his big play, but outside of those, I thought Miami won rep after rep, and I think that maybe the overall title of the takeaway is that the versatility of this defense at all three levels and the multiplicity of it and the ability to execute multiple looks in a game, a week-to-week game plan is very evident, and I think will take this team, or has the potential, I should say, to take this team a long way because... They basically have shown you they can play a plan for whatever quarterback, whatever offense they face. And sure, Lamar Jackson went crazy. He's done that three times this season already. You know, he's off to an MVP type of start. Josh Allen made plenty of plays in the game against the Buffalo Bills. And then in this game against uh, Dolphins had their, in my opinion, a great defensive performance in that game. And then in this game for large, large chunks of the game, holding the Bengals offense back after, you know, an offense that went crazy last year all the way to the Super Bowl. But the versatility of it, is the big takeaway here. And we know about the cover zero looks, the blitzes, the disguise packages, the 5-0 front, all the stuff they do to get simulated pressure, to bring it, to back out, to confuse the quarterback, to change the snap, pre-snap, to post-snap, the man coverage. We know about all of that. And we know about Javon Holland's ability to race out of the line of scrimmage and get back into cover three, cover one, like whatever the case may be, we know about that. But you don't often see a lot of two-man looks. And that's 
I think what you saw plenty of in this game tonight and the man coverage underneath was so, so good uh, throughout the course of this game with X, with Needham, with Cater Kohu. And it really helps to have, you know, I think the two safeties back there drive the potential of that package. And just remember, it's not cover two necessarily. I mean, you can run that, but it was a lot of two man where you have two high safeties and you're playing man coverage underneath different than cover two, where you have zone underneath zone on top. This is a variation of zone and man. So I thought there was good looks in that. Even the big plays to T Higgins, where it looks like X maybe took like a look back for the ball. And he was pointing to his eyes. Like maybe he couldn't see the football in the air, but he was right there in, in phase to make a play on that ball. Higgins winds up making the play and it goes for a long touchdown for the Bengals. But outside of that, man, they were, they were all over these corners. The pair, the the coverage was marrying up with the pass rush very, very solidly. And I just think, you know, X had the injury late, had to leave the game and and didn't come back. You know, we'll see about Byron Jones' availability going forward. Seems like we've covered uncovered a pretty dang good player in Cater Kohu. Nick Needham continues to play at a high level. Feel pretty good about the depth at that position here with 10 days off and getting ready for week number five and going forward with that secondary and all they can do. I mean, you know, Brett Coleman, the, the great uh, YouTuber, the film room, who does the bootleg podcast and tons of other content for multiple uh, teams and sources and things of that nature. But he had a good thread about cover two and how it's forcing teams to play different than they want to. All these easy chunks that teams used to get because of, you know, one high or, or man coverage or man free, whatever the case may be. And now they're getting taken away because you have those two high safeties and you have to play a more, you know, patient style of football. And that can increase the likelihood of mistakes this Dolphins defense showed you they can play a really good two high safety look in this game. And I thought it was very effective for the majority of the game. Again, outside of a few plays, it allows them with those safeties and to really rotate the way they want to and disguise that coverage. They pressed so well up in the line of scrimmage in this game. They filled gaps really well against the blitz and, and run fits. I mean, what was the Bengals rushing on that? Let me go ahead and pull that number up real quick. I think they might have had a couple of decent pops, but Joe Mixon, 24 for 61. That's 2.5 yards per carry. Joe Burrow had five for six. Samaji P. Ryan had one for nothing. So the Bengals rushing average tonight, uh, right around two yards per carry. That's pretty good do- uh, defense there from the Miami Dolphins. We even had that one, uh, the, again, the one that X got beat. You had the two safeties that were on one side of the field taking away Jamar Chase, then you get your best best corner, um, you know, and Xavier Howard in that one-on-one matchup. Like, that's a new look. So just Josh Boyer having all kinds of things that he's going back to, very confident in this defense to keep this thing rolling. I think we saw really this this defense the last couple of weeks take a step, you know, in the direction we expect them to as far as the talent and coaching they have with what we think they can possibly be. That's a great sign to see. And getting a chance to watch Javon Holland do his thing live on the all 22 was was so cool we always we watch the tape every week but on prime vision you get a chance to actually watch tape live in the game and just seeing him like the play on an outside run middle of the third quarter the rotation i mentioned earlier he's in the wrong side of the field as far as where the run goes he comes all the way over from depth and cuts that thing down for six or seven yards just such an important player in this defense for not just capping deep routes but cutting down some of those running play wins the offense has and taking them from long, long gains and making them just medium gains is a big part of his game. How about Eric Rose play down in the box, talking about the safeties? He was all over the place, making plays against the run, sticking his face in there against screen passes and things of that nature. Nick Needham had a great rep on T. Higgins on a deep ball where he pinned him to the sideline, despite the fact that he had motion to deal with and to come all the way across the formation. That was an impressive play. Cater Coe, who had an awesome pass breakup in this game. So the secondary, I think, just continues to really show you what they can do. And then up front, I mean, the short yardage defense 
Every game at this point, they make something happen, including another fourth down stop to get the ball back to the offense. And what a team stop that was. Jerome Baker, a solid edge. Zach Sealer beats a block. Eric Rowe pulls or just, you know, fires and goes right downhill and gets in there into the backfield. You get Javon Holland and Nick Needham finishing off that play on a Joe Burrow scramble to set up a fourth down play. Uh, just continue to make big plays. We'll, we'll go ahead and break down that goal line stand here in just a minute for a later segment. And then, you know, the offense at one point in this game after the defense kind of kept rising to the occasion, getting the football back and and held on three plays from the three-yard line and in, had a fourth down stop by Eric Rowe in the second quarter. The offense in the second half kind of hit a speed bump a little bit with two three and outs to start the half. You get the 64-yard pass to Tyreek Hill down the middle of the field uh, to put you in the inside the five-yard line, and then you go three and out from there and don't score after getting the ball at the five. You wind up getting to the two and don't score from second and goal from the two or third and goal from the two another three and out, and then the interception there. So it just kind of became too much, I think, for the defense at the end of the game. But I'm so encouraged what we saw the last four days by this Miami Dolphins defense. That's takeaway number two. We'll go ahead and take our first break right here and come back and do takeaways three through five. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Takeaway number three here on a Dolphins 15, Bengals 27, week four loss at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals. We're taking a look at the five takeaways from the game here on the Drive Time Podcast. And takeaway number three is just too many mistakes to beat a good football team. Let's go ahead and start here with head coach Mike McDaniel, who I thought had a phenomenal answer about the mistakes made that eventually cost Miami this football game. Um, when you lose games to um, very good teams, um, you know, you can always point to that. You know, we we lost the turnover battle and we were kicking field goals as opposed to trying to score touchdowns. Um, as On top of that, we had some third downs, We, um, including the third and one, I think, in the fourth quarter or third. Um, yeah, yeah, there's situational football that um, we had been executing. We did not um, today, and that – and you you don't get freebies or you don't get passes in games uh, against good teams, you know. So um, that the the point of that is um, only it, it only means anything if you can learn from it, if you can get better from it. And that's what I'm going to be challenging the guys to do, uh, because that's that that's what will happen in uh, in games against good opponents if you uh, don't don't take advantage of those opportunities. They win those situations and you lose, you'll lose the game. I mean, that's most games in the National Football League, right? It comes down to how many plays can you make in the critical moments. And for tonight, 
Uh, last night, I should say, for the Miami Dolphins just wasn't their night. The last few weeks, it was their time. So that's kind of how you measure a team is their ability to perform in those moments. Wasn't their night on Thursday night. And we saw, you know, to, to relitigate it, you know, a blocked field goal. That's obviously three points that you could have possibly had. If you missed an extra point, there's potentially four points. We dang near blocked a punt of our own, but it looked like we just missed it on a flyby attempt as Elijah Campbell came through and dang near got that ball off the uh, foot of Kevin Huber, but it just misses. Good job to not run into the punter on that on that play, though. Uh, we've seen plenty of good out of the special teams, but the punt block or whatever you want to call it last week, the kick return in week number two, and the ones we just mentioned, you know, that's like Coach said, there are fine margins that can cost you football games. Luckily, special teams made some plays in response last week uh, with the blocked field goal of their own, and Thomas Morstead's great free kick and coverage on that last kickoff of that game, or, or free kick, I should say, after the safety, and overcome that stuff for the win was not the case last night. Also dropped a touchdown pass on third down in the corner of the end zone. That's a four-point difference right there. And then again, couldn't score from first and goal from the five-yard line, and then second and goal from the two, and third and goal from the two uh, after that. So mistakes against a good football team, tough to overcome. Takeaway number four is the offensive line and run game. I think the offensive line's played really well, but I think the run game kind of found some magic and some mojo in this game. You know, after Raheem Mostert popped that run on the eventual Bridgewater interception possession, which went for, let's go ahead and find the yardage on that. I was thinking to myself, I'm going to have a segment here talking about how this Dolphins team found another way to win a football game because I expected them to run the ball down the field and go get that touchdown and close it out on defense. Obviously, that was not the case. But I mean, on that particular drive, you start that thing off with a 25-yard rip from Raheem Mostert. Some of those inside toss plays they run, man, he just gets gliding downhill. And once he does that, he's tough to stop and you give him a head of steam. And the way this offensive line opens some lanes for him, I mean, the rushing in this game from Miami, we, we gave you the numbers earlier, but it was on a lot less carries. Raheem Mostert, 15 for 69. Uh, Teddy had the 11-yard scramble, Chase just 5 for 6, and Tyreek 1 for minus, minus 1, but 4.6 yards for Raheem Mostert and kind of got him cranking a little bit in this game. I think that could be another big factor for this team and this offense to just add another element of th- something they can go to when they need it, like you saw in this game. And then on the offensive line, the pass protection continues to be just so dang good. I mean, whether it's the scheme creating pockets, the play action looks, or just flat out executing, sliding protection one way or the other, hitting double teams, using backs and tight ends. I mean, they've had so much time for these deep shots to develop or taking. We saw plenty of them in this game on Thursday, and a huge part of that and a huge credit goes to the offensive line for the job they have done. Connor Williams is phenomenal. He is, through four games, I have really enjoying watching him play. We have, you know, we talk about it every Tuesday on the All-22 review, but having the All-22 tonight, the space that he covers, the get-off, the way he turns out guys out of their gaps, he is playing such good football right now, and so is Teron Armstead, man. I know, like, the it's an entire collection on the offensive line, and the group as a whole is getting the job done, but those two guys, those two newcomers, those two veterans, man, what an impact they've had, and how good they are and just the technician aspect of it their get off the, the the smarts of the positions really good stuff there from Teron and Connor Williams and we'll go ahead and give some credit and some love to Greg Little Rob Hunt and Liam Eikenberg for what I thought was another good job of the offensive line really has been that way for a few weeks now to start the season off takeaway number five just something that I, I noticed and coach actually addressed it after the game that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up here we'll go ahead and start with coach to kick off this fifth takeaway but it was the operational issues that have kind of plagued the Dolphins offense a couple of times here the last couple of weeks, spending timeouts early in the half so that the end of the half, you don't really have the timeouts in those back pocket. Let's go ahead and go to head coach Mike McDaniel, who addressed that after the game. 
I think that is, um, you know, something that that you don't want to run away from the frustration. I think that the, you know, you, you have to, you have to experience this in some, in some part to, to really go after all the little details that it takes, um, to win NFL football games. So it's very frustrating. You feel, um, like you, you wasted an opportunity, um, to play toe to toe with a very good team, and uh, potentially beat them. But that's the point. It's not supposed to be easy. And, um, if you're, if you're wanting to, um, you know, play teams like this on stages like this, you have to, um, you, you can't do some of those things. Otherwise, um, you're, you're going to end up on this side of the stick, uh, on the short side of the stick. But, um, to me, it, it's incredibly frustrating, um, with good reason. And that's part of what we do, um, in professional football. And you, you do one of two things with it. You either use it to make you, make you get better or you, uh, live with things that you can't change and, um, get worse, you know, so our plan is, is to learn from it, um, and, uh, move forward, uh, at, at, you know, and the only thing you can do really to me with losses is make them purposeful, and how do you make them purposeful? Well, you, you have to get, you have to be better from it than had you won the game, so th that's the way I'm going to approach it with the, with the team, and, um, so far they, they haven't done anything, but, um, answered the bell whenever I asked them. So uh, I, I feel confident that we can get that done. I mean, yeah, you heard Coach say it right there. He feels confident they can get it done. And so I obviously feel the same way that they'll get that stuff corrected. But it's a couple of games now where the timeout's being used a little bit too early and up against the play clock there uh, with the operation getting the calls in. So Coach mentioned it, thought it was a good thing to bring up there and close here on our fifth takeaway. Last break, we'll come back and talk about some additional stuff here. We'll do the uh, teaching tape of the game and the play before the play, which is kind of supposed to be for wins, but I thought this one was really good here. We'll do that next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Closing out the week four recap podcast, taking a look at Dolphins and Bengals and obviously much more on our minds than just the football game. Tua Tungavailoa thinking about him and the injury he suffered in the game on Thursday night, hoping he's back real soon, getting back to, you know, doing what he does best and what he loves to do playing football. And uh, if I had a six takeaway here, I think it would just be Tyreek Hill. <laughs> 10 catches for 160 yards, the concentration on the 64-yard bomb that kind of got the offense some juice. I mentioned there was a, a pretty stagnant period there for the Dolphins, and that was the one play that got them going, got them the lead there late in the third quarter. Dang near stole this game, despite all the odds going against Miami there in the game, which would have been obviously huge and, and, and would have loved to see it, but instead it's not. It's a loss, an opportunity, as Coach said, to uh, 
to be purposeful and to find a way to get corrections made and get this team going back into the winner's circle next week against the New York Jets. I love the playmaking by Teddy Bridgewater on the scramble. OJ and Seth were talking about uh, our quarterbacks and athletic ability and, um, you know, creating space for those guys to make moves. Then Ty, uh, not Tyreek, T- Teddy goes out and makes that play. And we were just like loving it, watching that play in the green room at the radio station. So that was cool to see. I love Trent Sherfield blocking on screens or just blocking in general. That dude's such an underrated aspect of, of what I think is a good football team and a guy that has to be a guy you have to have on good football teams are players like Trent Sherfield. And then uh, we'll uncover some more gems on the All-22 review, stuff like, you know, the offensive line play, the defensive line. Christian Wilkins, I thought, again, was fantastic. Zach Sealer made some plays. Uh, Jalen Phillips, I thought, was really, really good. Talking about the defense and the versatility they show, man. Jalen Phillips kicking inside to that three-tech position and rushing and just running right by a left guard. Like, he can do so many different things for you on that defensive line, the outside linebacker position that he typically plays. Just plays all over the formation and makes tons of plays. Got his first sack of the year tonight. And his pass rush win rate is actually well above average if you go to ESPN's uh, metric and that just hasn't had a chance to finish those sacks yet, but I feel like they're coming as we saw in this game on Thursday night. The play before the play, I did have a Cater Kohu and I think it was a Javon Holland tackle to slow up Joe Burrow just short of the sticks before another stop on third down to force a Bengals field goal. But towards the end of the game, again, another fourth down stop for this defense, or I should say third down to make a make them kick the field goal with uh, Jordan or with the kicker McPherson, uh, the, the guy that was a rookie last year out of Florida. But the play before the play was the second down stop with Landon Roberts and Christian Wilkins. You see Wilkins take on a double team and you see the left leg as the right guard pushes him and tries to get movement on him. You see the left leg come off the turf and that means all the weight, all the balance is on his right leg. And he just anchors on that thing and puts that left foot back in the ground and holds the point. And that allows Alandon Roberts, who is absolutely incredible in this exact role, short yardage, downhill, go blow up, run play, go knock out a blocker, get your way into the running back or to the backfield and meet the running back back there. That was some kind of play on that second down. Then they did it again on third down too to get the field goal team out there. So that short yardage work, saving points like that consistently, a man's going to be a key for this football team. They do it every single week. And then my teaching tape goes back to Connor Williams, the way he fires off the snap. It's been a coaching point for Mike McDaniel and the staff all summer long, all off season long about firing off the football, a key to this offense. And Connor Williams embodies that the way he can make certain blocks at that center position after snapping the ball it's just not something a lot of guys can do. So it's a very valuable aspect to have, you know, double the point. Uh, the play I'm talking about in particular, actually, I should say, I thought I was just talking in general, but my notes here say, hey, Travis, talk about this one play. It was a five-yard run by Raheem Mostert where he doubles uh, Rob Hunt's man and gets movement on him like a solid gap and then climbs to the second level and walls off a linebacker and just pushes him right past the pursuit of the play when Mostert cut up off of his butt for a, a nice little five-yard chunk there. It's really impressive watching him on that wide view. I wish every broadcaster that did that wide view on, on every game so we could see this stuff all the time. But man, he just makes so many big plays and he's such a such a unique center to have. He's a really valuable asset uh, for this Dolphins offense and this Dolphins football team. All right, guys, that's going to be my time here tonight. Shorter podcast. We have an All-22 podcast coming your way uh, over the weekend. I'll go ahead and dive into the tape. I am home alone this weekend. Well, not home alone, with a little girl. And uh, we're going to be watching tape together <laughs> and getting you guys a podcast out. 
um, in the meantime. So keep an eye for that. We'll have more to cover this game. No post-game show stuff tonight. I didn't get the uh, audio sent. Plus, it was a little bit down on the post-game show, if I'm being honest, because it's a tough topic to cover. And with that, Tua, man, we're thinking about you, bro. Like The biggest takeaway from this game is we just want number one to be okay. Thinking about Tua Tungavailoa on this night. Uh, football can be a tough game sometimes. We learned that on Thursday night in Cincinnati. All right, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Our uh, post-game show comes out the day after, typically, on the best of 560 The Joe. Check out the Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. And also all of our international podcasts in the UK, Brazil. I know we're adding some more as well. So good stuff there across the entire network. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins Today. I'm a big part of that with Kimmy B, Kimmy Bell. So check us out on the YouTube channel as well as the cinematic recaps are always obviously great. Also some uh, press conference content, fish tank content, drive time content, plenty of stuff for you guys there. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, daddy's already home. I'm going to come to bed right now.